0: All right. All right, everyone, please take your seats. The podcast is about to start. And in this episode, we're talking about distractions. Please take your seats.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Monica Reinagel,
0: And I'm Brock
1: Armstrong. And you are listening to the Change Academy podcast.
0: Being easily distracted can be a bad habit and can also be a barrier to making some lasting and sustainable change. But we can also use distraction as a way to break some bad habits or some ingrained behaviors like going for a walk instead of having a snack or doing some yoga instead of having yourself a beer. The trick is being more intentional about when and why and how you choose to distract yourself. And that is what we're going to get into today.
1: But first, I wanted to share something that I've been working on since we talked last, because it sort of plays into our conversation today. The last few weeks, I have been experimenting with a form of intermittent fasting, Mm. um, specifically the one that is referred to as a restricted eating window, where you limit the number of hours of day that you eat. And it's funny, you know, I have been writing about this research. We have coached people who want to experiment with this, supported people who who want to see how this works for them, but I'd never actually done it myself for any extended period of time. Hmm. Mostly I think because I was never really trying to solve the kinds of problems that people often turn to intermittent fasting as a potential solution for. Hmm. So people might pick this up as a way of managing their weight, if they're having trouble doing that, or managing their blood sugar, or sometimes as a a way to see if it might resolve some digestive difficulties. And because I wasn't trying to solve any of those problems, I just was never moved to do it. But I recently was moved to do it purely by curiosity, to see what it would be like to experience that. Well, surely,
0: and just to be a bit of a bit of a jerk and bit of a devil's advocate here. I mean, back in the old days, we used to call it skipping breakfast.
1: Well, right. <laughs> Which is a no no, right?
0: Yeah, you didn't formally. I mean, we all skipped breakfast from time to time or, or went through periods where we just didn't feel like eating breakfast. But it's just yeah. because now it's got like this formal name, right. Many names and reasons to do it and stuff. It's kind of funny that we've labeled it as something new. So now it's like this. M- experiment to try instead of just "Eh, I'm not really hungry yet.
1: Exactly. Um, And it has been a really interesting learning experience for me. And that was my goal going into it. We talked a little bit about this in our episode on short term challenges, you know, to Mm -hmm. go into an experiment like this with a specific objective. And and I did. Uh, And it has been really interesting. This was all prompted because I recently did yet another podcast on some new research on intermittent fasting and we can drop a link to that in the show notes if anybody wants to go run that down but what i wanted to share with the change academy audience was what i learned and it's really just been an interesting experiment in watching my brain at work yeah. right and 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 watching how my response to hunger or my thoughts about hunger changed by having imposed this sort of artificial constraint, it's, it's really been kind of amusing. Um, hmm. For example, I would often get up and not feel hungry right away and not think about breakfast until maybe I, I exercised and that might be 10 o'clock and never thought anything of it. But now that I know that I'm not going to eat until noon, it's the first thing I think about every morning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also just kind of noticing, maybe you've noticed this too, that that the anticipation of feeling hungry is kind of more of a big deal than actually feeling hungry. You know, worrying about how hungry I'm going to be by the time I get to lunchtime is usually more significant than the actual hunger I feel. Also, referencing our topic last week, um, I've noticed that at some time every morning, the thought will occur to me that I'm feeling a little bit hungry, and the very next thought that my brain springs on me is, well, we don't have to do this today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So quick to abandon it for no good reason. And I have to just remind myself, no, this is the plan. I'm I'm doing this for a reason and I'm going to keep going here.
0: I love it when the brain just kicks in and goes, this is hard. Let's not do this now. Like We don't have to do this today, do we?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just so predictable. And I had to laugh because we were just talking about that in our last episode. But what brought it to mind in connection with this week's episode is that I wondered whether not eating in the morning, not eating until lunchtime might make it hard for me to focus on my work in the morning because I usually set a couple of hours every morning aside to work on something that requires some extra focus, some extra Mm. concentration. That's when I try to get my best work done for the day. And I learned two things. One, no, it is not. <laughs> it is perfectly possible for me to focus and do good work, even if I haven't had breakfast, even if I'm aware of the fact that I'm looking forward to lunch. The other thing I realized is that as soon as I got absorbed and started to concentrate on that other task, I completely forgot about being hungry.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was actually pretty easy to distract myself and sort of the best strategy to, to get through that, so...
0: Yeah, I think the you probably would start to feel a little more scattered and and distracted, maybe not distraction may not be the perfect word for it. If your blood sugar was truly getting lower, if the the hunger signals were like real true hunger, rather than just sort of habitual hunger, Mm -hmm. you probably would have started to get I know I get a little bit more distracted, a little more anxious. Things tend to stress me out a little bit more when I'm truly hungry. But if you're not truly hungry, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I can see how actually diving into the work would distract you long enough from thinking about food to not requiring food until you're done that task, at least.
1: Yeah. And then before I knew it, it was lunchtime. But perfect. I am going to be wrapping this experiment up within the next few days. I feel like, OK, I learned what I can learn there and it'll be a little easier for me to work with people, with other people who are experimenting with this for, for different reasons. But I'll plan when I'm going to be done with this instead of letting my brain call it off mid-morning yeah. on a Thursday. I'm going to pick an end date for it. Your
0: so. prefrontal cortex is in charge, <laughs> not your lower brain. We learned that last week.
1: So that kind of leads us into our discussion for this week. We're talking about distraction and the the dual side of distraction, how we can mm. actually use it to our benefit. But so often d- distraction is about avoidance, right? When we're faced with something we just as soon avoid, we can let ourselves be easily distracted.
0: Yeah, we can use some of those bad habits like like snacking or just plain old procrastinating or using alcohol, like I said earlier, to to unwind, to actually just distract us from the feelings like boredom or feeling overly stressed or overwhelmed or even in those periods of doubt when we really want to be achieving something, but we're a little bit scared that we're not going to be able to be completely Mm. successful at it. So we bring in that old bad habit of distracting ourselves with other things.
1: Yeah, we for sure we use a distraction as a way to avoid feelings we don't want to have, but also to avoid tasks we don't want to do or decisions we don't want to make or difficult conversations that we just as soon not have. Mm. But you know we could just as easily allow ourselves to be distracted by a good habit right so maybe yeah. there's an article that i just don't feel like working on right now well sure i could distract myself with a snack but i could also distract myself for by taking a walk hmm. so the real problem there is that i'm allowing myself to be distracted from whatever it is i'm supposed to be doing or focusing on and Whether I'm distracting myself with a a good habit or a bad habit is almost a secondary issue.
0: Yeah, well, and we find this a lot too with just applying those (laughs) labels of good and bad Mm -hmm. to to a lot of things, not just habits or food or things like that. But those judgment calls on them really are, like you said, the secondary issue in a lot of cases, because it's just the fact that you're you're doing something other than what you propose to do is actually the issue, not whether it's a good thing or a bad thing in the overall sense of stuff and we briefly talked about something similar in the in the last episode of of the podcast we talked about how the like streaks and breaks and challenges that we give ourselves that sort of give us the impression that we're creating some positive change in our lives without actually doing the mm-hmm. hard work and the introspection and this type of distraction i think is kind of in in the world of fitness anyway especially being a runner I think it's akin to a lot of people go out and buy new running shoes because their ankles are sore or their knees are sore or something like that every time they go for a run so they just go and buy a new pair of shoes thinking well that'll solve the problem instead of actually going to a physiotherapist or adjusting their running gait or doing some strengthening exercises and really getting to the bottom of why their knees or ankles or feet might be sore it's just sort of buying the new shoes is just an easy distraction that feels like it should be making a difference, but probably isn't going to.
1: Yeah, I have to admit, I have actually done that. But Oh, so so have
0: I. That's what I thought of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So obviously there are some ways that distraction can pull us off track. But in today's episode, we actually want to turn the tables here and instead focus on the ways in which distraction can actually serve a useful purpose mm-hmm. now we we sometimes in this podcast and elsewhere we talk about this upper brain lower brain thing and of course these are our very oversimplified terms but for me I often think of the lower brain as my inner toddler because mm-hmm. it acts just like a toddler right it's impulsive it's reactive it's undisciplined definitely driven by short-term gratification you know doesn't care about the consequences. And then I I sort of think of my upper brain or the prefrontal cortex as my inner adult, kind of the opposite of all of those things.
0: Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people are and myself included, think of it as being a bit of a killjoy for exactly that reason, because <laughs> it's always coming along and smacking down the inner toddler. And it's it really is associated with those higher level thoughts like emotion regulation and decision making and, you know, killjoy stuff, maturity, (laughs) right, adulting. But, you know, the truth is, without it, the lower brain would run the show and then we'd behave like a toddler or like a. I like to think of it being like a Labrador retriever or something (laughs) (laughs) and uh, just being distracted by everything and running off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And just always going after the new shiny fancy thing or whatever caught your eye. And then, you know, what happens when we do that is we, well, we never get anything done and we never really... Well, have any meaning in our lives, because we're constantly just chasing one thing after another instead of really buckling down and and striving to become the better version of ourselves that we really work on in this podcast.
1: But, uh, you know, I find that personification of the inner toddler and the inner adult helpful in a lot of ways in kind of dealing with myself. For example, if if an adult wants to take a dangerous object away from a toddler, say the toddler has picked up a pair of scissors or something, mm-hmm. you know, a good strategy, instead of just taking the scissors away from the toddler, which is likely to provoke like a grandma tantrum, a better way to do that is to actually hand them a toy, a colorful toy, something really interesting as you take the scissors out of the other hand. And sometimes you can get away with that. And you know, our inner adult can use the same sort of strategies to keep our inner toddler out of trouble. So if you are consumed by an urge to do something that you decided not to do, or you're trying not to do, it's awfully helpful to do something else instead, instead of just trying to sit on your hands and and resist the, the urge to do that thing. So for example, if you're trying to quit smoking, You're probably going to be more successful instead of just sitting there, sitting on your hands, staring at that empty ashtray, you know, uh, you know, go practice your piano, go practice your putting something, you know, hand that toddler a toy, uh, to, to act as an alternative for the thing that you're taking away
0: or hand the toddler several toys. Cause sometimes yeah. the first toy doesn't stick, even if it's their favorite damn toy. Sometimes the toddler still is <laughs> right. like, no, give me the
1: scissors back. Yeah. It's good to have a little bit of a, of some backups, but yeah. But, you know, I similarly, I think when you find yourself focusing on a thought that's not serving you, you could also choose to distract yourself with a more useful thought or an alternative activity. It doesn't just have to be about a bad habit you're trying to break. Sometimes our thoughts can be bad habits.
0: Yeah, for sure. A lot of the time, this whole distraction doesn't necessarily have to be about uh, an activity that you're doing. It can really be just about the thoughts that are happening in your head. And we'll get mm-hmm. into... A lot of that later but this whole topic actually made me think about a time in my life and I was one of those one of those 20 year old somethings that was dedicated to finding myself you know <laughs> that I went to Europe with a backpack and a euro rail pass and did all of that stuff and I eventually at one point joined a Nichiren Buddhism group And it was really fun. It was a nice group of people and and stuff, but I didn't stick with it for very long. But when I was there, I learned from them how to use this chanting that they would do as a way to kind of distract and reset my thought patterns and my, my emotions during difficult or trying times or situations. And it sort of seems like prayer, but The difference is that you're not asking for divine intervention when you're doing the chanting. You're really just repeating these phrases and in a way giving yourself a reassuring mantra and doing some deep breathing because it's a rhythmic chant and and you're just (laughs) just lulling and soothing yourself. And eventually your nervous system just kind of resets and you feel a lot more centered and are able to to move on. And I think that kind of a, a distraction can be really helpful, whether it's applied to an activity or to a thought, really.
1: And just to have a specific activity that goes a certain way, starts a certain way, finishes a certain way, you know, mm-hmm. even just that is enough to kind of break an unhelpful thought pattern or something like that. But
0: right, it's a familiar kind yes. of thing, it's a practiced and familiar. Thing. And it's it's almost I, now I use breathing techniques in the same sort of way, something that I've identified as being helpful and useful. I don't have to do it for 20 minutes anymore. I only mm-hmm. have to do it for two because my body goes, oh, yeah, this this feels good.
1: <laughs> well, we were chatting about this a little bit in the Change Academy Facebook group, um, which you'll find on Facebook at Change ACB POD, change iPod. And uh, one of the members there said, you know, my favorite application of the power of distraction is if I have to get a shot or have my blood drawn, I have to get stuck with needles. Or the flu shot
0: since it's in the fall. <laughs> yeah,
1: I hate that. And, uh, and she said, so what I do is I talk to the person who's actually administering the needle. Mm. I look around the room, I think of other things, and usually, it's over before I even know it. Yeah, exactly. Why sit there and stare at the needle when you can, uh, when you can try to engage in, uh, distract your brain with a, with a conversation.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We don't think that we can actually distract ourselves that we need to be distracted, but that's <laughs> a perfect example of distracting yourself. Just look around the room and start talking yeah. about the first thing that catches your eye and suddenly right. you're, you're distracted. But somebody else in the Facebook group actually said, I listen to podcasts when I go for walks or I clean the house. It keeps my mind occupied mm-hmm. and will make me look forward to the activity.
1: Oh, that's like a double win. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> sort of coupling the activity, something that you really enjoy and something that I yeah. can understand wanting to distract yourself while you're cleaning the house, making it somehow more enjoyable is is a definite win there.
1: Certainly makes the time go a little bit faster. Again, because your brain is occupied, distracted. Right. You know, I I've been thinking this a lot lately. Sometimes there is a lot of value in choosing to be distracted from something that's causing you stress uh, right. or or anxiety, especially if it's something that you can't really do anything constructive about, rather than just dwelling on it, which is easy to do. It's easy to perseverate on those things. Um and distraction can be a powerful tool. So, instead of you know doom scrolling through the headlines and worrying about mm-hmm. the future i can decide you know what <laughs> i'm going to put my phone down i'm going to lose myself in a period drama <laughs> we've been watching mm-hmm. turn washington mm-hmm. spies that's a good period drama mm-hmm. you know i can decide yeah i'm going to just totally go somewhere else in my ma- in my mind and that can be a really constructive choice But I just want to point out context is everything like deciding, you know what, I'm going to go watch my period drama instead of, you know, finishing this report I have to have done by the end of the day. That Mm -hmm. might not be a constructive choice. And, you know, maybe the, the the key difference between that sort of purposeful distraction and escapism is whether or not there's anything constructive that I can do about a situation cuz if there's something i can do maybe i should go do it <laughs> um, mm. or if there's really nothing i can do or if i've already done all i can do then maybe it is appropriate to to go ahead and distract myself with with something else
0: that's a really important distinction i really i'm glad you brought that up cuz sometimes the greatest way to relieve the stress or relieve the unwanted feeling is to just dig into the task or just dig into whatever it is and start making progress. You don't have to finish the whole thing. Yeah. Even just breaking it down into chunks and and turning it into a to-do list.
1: Right. Just taking a step. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Take a step. That's sometimes all you need to do instead of watching a period drama. And when you say period drama, it, it really has to have Mr. Darcy in it or it. It doesn't qualify in my world.
1: <laughs> oh, well, no, this is 100 years. The ones we're watching, one we're watching right now is about 100 years earlier than that. It's the colonial American period. But anyway, right. we, we, we're we getting distracted, Brock.
0: Yes, yes. So that was what we were just talking about was more to do with sort of activities and stuff. But when when it comes to things like, like anxiety and, and emotions and things, there's a distraction technique that the cognitive behavior therapy uses called cognitive shifting and I used to use it all the time when I was on on the subway it was a, a really really interesting time in my life when for some reason the subway became a, a trigger for my anxiety and and the idea of this technique which we'll explain to you in a minute is that really a person can't be truly thinking about more than one thing at a time we try to do that and we end up just Switching back and forth really quickly, but we're not able to occupy our brains with two things at the same time. So the the distraction really becomes more of a a replacement. And mm-hmm. I think Monica, you had a an example of of doing this in terms of stage fright back in when you were doing a lot more opera. What do they call performances? That's the word I'm looking for.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they call them, Brock. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know it was called cognitive shifting. But this is exactly uh, what one of my coaches taught me to do if I were on stage and getting really nervous, you know, to start to look around the, the environment and seek out different textures. That's what we were trained to do. So look at the velvet curtain, look at the wooden uh, floorboard, look at the, you know, the fabric on the set, you know, whatever it was. And then just using your brain to look for different, the brick on the back wall, would just completely shift you out of whatever that little downward spiral was that was starting to turn into stage fright and kind of put you back into like, okay, I know where I am. I know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, that's a perfect example of cognitive shifting or awareness redirection. Mm. I actually, I learned it from a book and we'll put a link in the show notes to this book because I think it's a really valuable one for anyone who's having trouble with their inner gremlin. And I say that because the book is actually called Taming Your Inner Gremlin by Rick Carson. And uh, it was, the technique was called shining your mental flashlight. And so when I was on the subway, for example, I'd just shine my flashlight on different things around the subway and, and say like, okay, well, there's a man over there, he's wearing a nice suit. There's a woman over there, she's dancing to music on her headphones, obviously. And I can still smell the bakery <laughs> that we just passed at the last subway station in Toronto. There are some very strong-smelling bakeries in the subway stations. <laughs> it's not fair. You're halfway yeah. to work and all of a sudden you're like, I need a cinnamon," right. Or I'm aware of the sound of the wheels on the tracks. Or I'm aware of the stickiness of the floor of the subway and so on. And this would help me get out of my own head, so to speak, long enough to allow the that old, good old higher brain to jump back in and gain control over the situation again.
1: Yeah, what's so interesting about the technique, both the way you learned it and the way I learned it, is that it invokes our sensory apparatus. Yes. So instead of thinking and you know cognating, we start to think, what can I smell? What can I touch? What can I hear right now? What sounds am I hearing? Yeah. And uh, invoking the senses is a very powerful way to to, as you say, kind of get out of your out of your brain when your brain is not serving you and and back into your body. So uh, here's the takeaways that I took away from our conversations all week, Brock, about distraction. And I found it kind of helpful to separate distraction, which is when we allow an unplanned intrusion or diversion to pull us off focus or off task, to separate that from the concept of redirection when we Mm -hmm. consciously choose to redirect our attention in another way. So distraction, the unintentional kind, it can lead to harm in a couple of different ways. I mean, number one, it can keep us from doing what we need to be doing. But then it can also cause us to engage in behaviors or activities that aren't serving us, like that Mm -hmm. extra snacking or whatever it is. Right. And then on the other side, this redirection, which is the intentional version of this, I mean, this is when we're making a conscious decision that we would benefit from refocusing our attention on something else. And then we're also going to choose that alternative focus or activity thoughtfully. (laughs) I'm going to choose something that Mm -hmm. serves us. So as is so often the case, it's the intentionality here that is the key.
0: Okay, so now it is time for your lab experiment. And basically, it's going to be that technique that we just explained, whether you're using it. During an opera or before you go on stage in an <laughs> opera, or if you're using it on the subway. subway. <laughs> so the The great thing about the subway was how noisy it was. The floor is sticky. It's smelly. Anyway, lots of stuff <laughs> to distract yourself with. But your lab experiment is next time you find yourself in the grips of an unhelpful thought or an unhelpful emotion like anxiety or worry or stage fright, try using this mental flashlight technique. So step number one, is to use your other senses, not your good old monkey mind, (laughs) to identify or shine your mental flashlight on something that you see, hear, smell, or generally are aware of. Mm -hmm. And step number two is to simply say the words out loud or in your head. If you're on the subway, you might want to say it (laughs) in your head. I am aware of blank. And don't attach any judgment to it at all. Just simply be aware of whatever it is. Then step number three is to become aware of something else around you, not inside you, once again, and repeat this process again. So when you're experiencing a feeling that is unproductive or upsetting or unwanted, use all of your senses and list the things that you're aware of outside of your mind. And you know what? This can be a really effective technique, (laughs) despite how simple it seems, because it really is a very simple technique, but it really is effective as well.
1: Yeah, it's the perfect illustration of using distraction or redirection for good. So thanks so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, we hope that you will subscribe, maybe even leave us a review or a rating or tell a friend that you think might also enjoy the podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you hang out on social media, come find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ChangeACPOD. Hope to connect with you there. We'd love to hear what you're working on and how we can help.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. Don't forget your lab experiment. We'll see you next time on the Change Academy podcast.